Primary Purpose Big Book Studies Groups Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. Let's have our joke now. I am your recovered alcoholic joke teller for the evening, and I've got a little bit of a longer one for you. This is a beautiful story of a very good, talented alcoholic. All right. A young woman is passing by a bar. Or, excuse me, I screwed that up. <laughs> That's all right. A young man, gender is very important. Anyway, that's not, sorry, bad joke. A, a young man is passing by a bar when he sees an old woman wishing, jeez, fishing with a stick and string in a puddle by the sidewalk. She must be a poor old fool, he thinks to himself. And out of the kindness of his heart, he invites the woman for a drink. After he's paid for their round and the two are sitting there quietly, he asks her, so how many have you caught today? The old woman grins, takes a big sip of her drink, and says, You're the eighth. Hey. Thank you. All right. Stupid joke. You didn't hear it? It's a good one, Joey. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Andrew. Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation. So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise, that will or might distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? If so, let's start the meditation. 
All right, well, help me with the fog light prayer. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light so those whom are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. Amen. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Megan to read Appendix 2, entitled Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one, so it's kind of important to know what one is. Um, Hi, I'm Megan, a recovered alcoholic. Spiritual experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which, upon careful reading, shows that the personality change uh, uh, sufficient to bring about uh, recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Uh, yet, yet it is true that our first printing gave gave uh, many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Uh, happily for everyone, uh, this conclusion is, is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden uh, revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, uh, many alcoholics have uh, never, uh, uh, nevertheless concluded that in, in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing uh, membership of thousands of alcoholics, uh, such transformations, uh, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist uh, William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, uh, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Uh, Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Uh, Most emphatically, uh, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can uh, recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that uh, uh, no one... Uh, need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer, Alcoholics Anonymous, pages 567, 568. Thank you, Megan. Please refrain from disturbing others by talking and constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane or meeting mode or just turn it off. 
Now I'd like to uh, welcome Keith for his sixth session. You may know him from Joe Bear. Rar. <laughs> My name is Keith and I'm an alcoholic. And uh, sixth session. Um, my sobriety is July 15th, 2003, and I don't say that to brag. I say that to let the newcomer know that it is sober to stay, get sober and stay sober. Um, I'm amazed at that fact. Um, tonight we're on six and seven, and uh, again, I said it last week. I try not to think about what I'm going to say up here because it never comes out that way, but, um, you know, I, I'm just amazed at my life today. Now, granted, I say that to say I'm still a broken man, very, very flawed. And uh, it was on my heart today to talk about um, a defect of character and a hurt that I did to my best friend. And God's going to work that out, but we'll talk about that. So, um, yeah, so we're on the six and seven step, and we've done a lot of work up to this point, and... Uh, Again, this is just my experience with this process. I'm not an expert. I'm not a, you know, I'm a, I'm a big book thumper. I'm a big book guy. But um, I, I, my prayer and, and my mission statement is that I hope that out there I'm touching somebody, that, that giving somebody some hope that, you know what, whatever you're going through, if you're struggling with drugs and alcohol and if you think there's no way out, there's no hope that there is a way out. And it's all about the surrender. So, um talking about the first five proposals you know we look back and and um again i like to recap because in case there's somebody new who hasn't been following or you know and uh you know the first five proposals in this deal like when i got here 17 years ago i was a broken man and i wouldn't say i was suicidal but i wanted to die and and my prayer to a god i didn't believe in was please don't wake me up tomorrow or help me that was the prayer Right. I was too much of a coward to kill myself. I say that, but I also told you or make you think that I'm not scared of anything, but I was scared of everything. One of the many masks I wore. And so God saw fit to put people in my life that, you know, I, I say it all the time at our home, at our Monday night meeting, that God is the ultimate chess player. And uh, if you had asked me maybe 20 years ago where I'd be at, I would have never said Florida. I would have never said an alcoholic. I would have never said speaking at the AA meeting. But um, he brought me to South Florida, and uh, he got me with these guys armed with the facts about themselves in this program, big book thumpers. And, again, I thank God for that because if you know anything about Florida, there's a lot of places down here that talk a good game and talk recovery or whatever, but they don't – I that's just my opinion. But he put me with these guys, man, that, you know, talked a different way, talked about different things, talked about legacy, keeping your word, integrity, and I'm like – you know, whatever, had to be taught all this stuff. So I get with these gentlemen and, um, you know, I find out what my problem is. I didn't know what my problem was. I just wanted to learn how to drink successfully and, and not get in trouble. I wanted to learn how to not have the consequences that kept following me. Because when I first started drinking, it wasn't always bad, you know. It's, I, I was not, it wasn't like uh, I got in trouble all the time. Towards the end, it became a problem. But that was my only normal life. So I got with these gentlemen and... Um, you know, they introduced me to this book because I'd never been to treatment. I'd never been Alcoholics Anonymous. Hell, I didn't even know what treatment center was. Um, we didn't have those back in Rochester, I don't think. And uh, 
they got me this book and they had me read the doctor's opinion. And um, for the first time, I found out what my problem was. Because, <clears throat> again, I've had people, friends, family tell me, hey, man, the way you, and they might have been joking when they said it, but you're an alcoholic. You drink like an alcoholic. I'm like, man, get out of here. I felt offended by you calling me that. You know what I mean? It was like, I've seen what alcoholics look like, bums, mad dog, 2020, homeless. And uh, that wasn't me. I was homeless, though, but I wasn't on the street, but I was homeless. So I read this information, and it, and it told me what I had, what the problem was, that I have this algae to alcohol and other substances. And uh, when I put it in, I couldn't stop. And, and that made sense to me, reading that information. Um, married that to my past, it all fit together, you know. Talked about it. I had, you know, any normal person who had the consequences I had would, would probably stop drinking. Three DUIs, homelessness, um, geographical cures. But I didn't think I had a problem. I just thought that, you know, circumstances were bad. I just had bad luck. The cops were in the wrong spot at the wrong time, you know, because I've drank a lot of times and, dr- and drove and never got and didn't get caught. Just happened in Georgia. I got caught three times in six months. So, again, my attitude is, yeah, we're in the South and DWB driving while black, you know, whatever. But uh, not the case. But that's not my problem, you know, because I've been stopped many times. And um, my problem was I couldn't stop starting. And when he, that, when he told me that, I'm like, what, what does that mean? When he says you have this thought that you don't have the problem. Because I've been to jail at least three times on my DUIs. And the 90 days I was in jail, those first 70 days or whatever, I'm never doing that again. I'm never doing that again. When I get out, it's going to be different this time. And I meant that. That was my intention. But the closer that a release date got, the thought came back into my mind. This crazy, insane thought. You know what? It'll be different this time. I'll just drink wine coolers. Or I'll just, uh, you know, I'll just smoke weed. Because I never got caught when I smoked weed. That was my thought. That was my plan, right? Insanity, insane thinking. And when I got out, you know, off to the races. And I couldn't correlate the two. I couldn't correlate. You can't fix that problem. So I got step one. And again, step one is the only step I have to do perfectly right that's the only step that i have to say i'm beaten and again this whole process goes against everything i'm taught as a person as a man as a human everything you know we talked about the character defects a couple weeks ago and in here those things will kill me you know what i mean but out there my character defects were character assets you know they helped me survive out there they helped me get get over on you but in here they will kill me so that's my problem step one and um I don't have to go to a speaker meeting to hear my story. I don't have to answer 100 questions. Just does that live for me? Once I start, can I stop? The answer is no, you know. And could I stay stopped? Definitely not. So I got step one. Again, good sponsorship. Doesn't take a long time to, to, to figure that out. And then if I don't think I have this problem, you know, Joe and them are like, go, go figure it out. Go get her done, right? So then we come to step two. And, um, again, I'm not an atheist. I wasn't an atheist. My family went to church and all that stuff, but I just couldn't get on with the God thing. I, I've been around some holy rollers my whole life going, growing up and stuff, and you know, I was made to go to church um, when I was younger, and I vowed when I got old enough I wasn't going, and I'm a product of the 80s, so again, this whole God thing, when, when I get with Joe and them and they're talking God, I'm like, I'm cringing, like, oh, he's trying to convert me. But uh, step two, coming to believe in this power can restore me to sanity. Um... Why would I want to believe? Because I'm dying. I just I told you I was wanting to kill myself, so I'm dying. But I'm not getting on board with that thing. I'm just believing that, okay, I'm going to believe that Joe and John believe. And the insanity they're talking about is not the stuff that happened to me after I drank. 
Again, you put the booze and drugs on the 80-year-old woman that we did, she's going to do crazy stuff too, right? But the insanity they're talking about is knowing that information is a piece of the puzzle in step one, knowing that once I start, I can't stop, and I still do it anyway, that's insane, right? And no human problem is going to remove that insane thinking. I couldn't do it. My mom couldn't do it. My ex-girls couldn't do it. No, no human solution. So one and two is done, right? And in the book, Bill lays it out perfectly. He's got the fish hook out there. He's letting me know where we're going. She read Spiritual Experience before this meeting started, and that's what this is all about. But I was, eh, no. So then we come to step three. One and two is done. Now it's time to make that decision with that fork in the road. Am I in or am I out? Reconsider or die. Strong words. You know what I mean? Not like, uh, well, now you, know the piece, now you know what the problem is. Just sit there and take your time with this. <laughs> Figure it out. No. In or out, Keith. Right? Made a decision to turn my will, which is my thoughts, and my life, which is my actions, over to care of God as I understood him. Well, I don't understand God. And turning my will and my thoughts and my life over, over to something I don't believe in, kind of hard to do. Right? But, again, for me, I turned it and I just said, and it sounds like an oxymoron, I just said no human solution. But for me, I had to do it this way. I turned my will and my life over to Joe and John, begrudgingly. Right. Very begrudgingly. You know, they, they, they had ran this program, this uh, solution to a living community. They had the rules. They had set things to do. And I bucked the system, kicking and screaming all the way. But yet I'm dying. Right. So I'm picking and choosing how I'm going to do this thing. And, and I've and I seen guys in the house do that and they all got drunk. And I don't know why God didn't let me get drunk, but I did the same thing those guys did. I just didn't pick up a drink or a drug. So I'm at this place, and um, for three or four months, I'm just complying. I'm just hanging out. I'm not doing anything. There's nothing, no change or nothing. And um, But I'm in, Joe. I'll do anything, but I won't do that. I won't do this. I'm picking and choosing. So I do this third step, and I take the third step. And he says, well, you're not really in. It's a good intention until you start writing this four-step inventory. And again, I don't know what a four-step inventory is. Um, I go to meetings. I hear certain things. I hear certain people talking about the fourth step. It's your life story. It's uh, this and that. And it's not any of that stuff, right? It's, it's a catalog of my resentments, my fears, my sexual harms, and other harms. And so the book is very clear about this. Once I do that third step prayer, next, at once, I write this four-step inventory. And uh, very eye-opening and, and, and we had, in, in this house, we have a 12 and 12 meeting on Monday nights, and we had the big book study on Wednesday nights. And so in the fourth step, in the 12 and 12, it talks about these things called instincts. And again, I, you know, I don't know anything about instincts. I just know how I am and what I like and what drives me. But when I read this four-step inventory and it's broken down to me, we're all given instincts, right? God, God-given instincts for security, for sex, for procreation, for all these natural given instincts. The problem with me is I let them far exceed what they were intended for. And so I had no idea that that was the problem. I just thought I drank too much or I drank too much, not knowing that that was just a a symptom of the bigger problem. So as I do this four-step inventory, and I let you see, and I and I look at it in black and white. I see who you got when I showed up on the scene, and for the first time in my life, I saw that you know, I was I was a scumbag, right? I would tell you I'm a good guy and I'm an honest guy, but no, I was a scumbag. And how I was living and showing up in life, of course, 
this is how I ended up in Alcoholics Anonymous, looking at this in black and white for the first time. Um, you know, not a pretty picture. I uh, saw that and, and talked about it a couple weeks ago. I'm a victim when I get here. It's your fault while my life sucks. In those first three columns, that's where I, I, I saw myself. Like, if you just only knew my resentments against people, places, and things, all those institutions, and, and the reason why I was mad and then what it affected me, of course, this is why I'm here. But then the book and Joe and a good sponsorship had me look at it from a whole different angle, right? And um, what was my part in it? Because, again, I'm a victim. I had no part in it, you know? The cops in Georgia, I didn't have a part in that. They just put well, picking on me, right? That's, that's my view when I get here. Um, the jobs, why I got fired, why I get the job at Coca-Cola. Well, you showed up there drunk on an interview, Keith. You know, smelling like all kinds of stuff. Um, so not, and that's not a good thing to, to see for me, you know what I mean? To have somebody tell me the truth that you're not a victim. You're, you, what you have in this life right now is what you're exactly committed to having. That's how Joe and John talked to me. Like they didn't, they didn't care about my feelings. You know, they said stuff like, I'd rather stand on your grave, or step on your feelings and stand on your grave or stuff like that. And I'm just like, man, these guys are assholes. But, uh, no, I needed that. Right. So we got the first proposal done and, during this time, I'm six months, four, four or five months sober, and I haven't had a drink, and I'm starting to, okay, some, something's working. I'm not drinking and drugging. That's a miracle. But I'm still the same person I, 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 on the inside. I'm just living at a halfway house, and the only reason why I'm not acting out is because I can't act out because I'll get kicked out, right? I'm complying. I'm still not all the way in. And uh, if you heard my story before, a lot of people don't know when they had that shift, where they had that all in, like when, 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 when they said, you know what, I'm plugging in the 220, not this 120 recovery. I'm all in for this thing. And I remember the exact day when mine happened, and my life forever changed on this day. And this when John, you know, told me no uncertain words in a very forceful way that your word is the only thing you have in this, your word is the only thing you have in this life that means anything. And uh, from that day on, I dove into this thing like my life depended on it. And it wasn't about um, how it looked to other people. Like here I am, 35 years old, and my occupation when I got here was labor pool. There's no way that would have ever happened before because I would, I would have said I'm better than that. You know what I mean? But at this point in my life, I didn't care what it looked like to anybody. You know what I mean? I knew that I had what I had to do to survive. And Joe and John taught me that it wasn't me going to work in that labor pool because up until this point, my mom was paying my rent. She was sending checks to Joe every week until he got sick of it, because he saw that as long as she was paying my rent, I wasn't going to get off my butt and do anything. So I go to this job, and, and I did it the best I could, right? My, everything about my life changed from that day when John said that to me. And, um, you know, from there, you know, I dove into the steps hard, you know, with my sponsor, got done, got through them. And uh, so we did this fist-up inventory, right? And, um, again, I don't trust anybody when I come here. Like, I, I, I have the walls up. I'm, I'm, if I let you in, it's just because I want something from you. It's not a complete surrender and trust. And uh, even Joe, Joe, that Joe, my best friend in this world today, my brother who, you know, brother from another mother, I didn't trust him all the way either. You know, it took time for that. So we do this fist-up inventory, and I talked about it last week. I told this man everything, almost. And um, 
he, he held me accountable when I, with the yeah butts coming out and the yeah butts and all this stuff and me playing the victim. You don't understand about my mom putting me on a bus and sending me away and my dad and all this. And, you know, he didn't want to hear that crap. You know what I mean? He made me see that they did the best they could. And when I was done, again, no white light experience. It was just, okay, somebody knows me, almost all of me. Um, I don't feel as dirty as I did before I did the fifth step. I feel this nearness with this creator I don't believe in. I have, you know, a little different outlook. We're beginning. So the book is very clear on what to do after I do this fist up inventory, right? And again, these steps aren't hard. It can be done quickly, depends on how long you want to stay sick. So the fifth step promises, we read that last week. There's promises throughout this whole book, you know. But after I do this fifth step inventory, it says, returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. Now, you know, what's that place? The place for me was just at Solutions in the back corner. And, and quiet for an hour, it meant inside. Like me sitting there talking to God and, you know, letting them know. And for me, I told you last week, I felt a little bit, you know, dirty. Because I still had this one secret. I still had this one thing that I didn't... It was the biggest thing at my at my point in this time. I had this big secret, but I did I did so I did some work, you know. And and I'm sitting there for that hour, and I'm wrestling with this secret. And and I know I got to tell somebody, but I I don't trust, you know. I had a warrant for my arrest. Nobody in Florida knew that I thought. So for that one hour, it was it was it was gnawing at me. But he says this: returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. Carefully reviewing what we have done, we thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. Taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we asked if we admitted anything, right? And that ugh, stuck me like a knife. For we are building an arch through which we can walk free men at last. Is our work solid so far? And again, even though I didn't tell that secret, I thought, given who I was up until this point, a slacker, a procrastinator, for, for me, that work, my work was solid. You know what I mean? But whatever. <laughs> uh, is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put in the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar out of sand? And again, it took a while for me to get, you know, through that, that, that secret. Like, that was one of the... Very fearful. Like, I, I'll tell you how fearful I was. So I could be at a meeting before this whole COVID thing happened. I would be at a meeting at the one-on-one club, and uh, a cop would come in there with his uniform on. I don't know he's an alcoholic. He just shows up. <laughs> when I see this cop, I dip out the back door because I think he's there for me, you know? And uh, that's, that's what, that was what was eating at me for, for a couple of years. But I held that secret, Right. And so last week I talked about it. Um, you know, all these steps are designed to give me a whole new outlook on life, to give me a whole new life, to be reborn, not to get my old life back. And um, in the 12 and 12 in the, in the forward, it says this. These AA's 12 steps are a set of principles. Not school principle, but principles. Spiritual in nature. That if practiced as a way of life, can expel the obsession to drink, and allow the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. 
right? So I'm trying to incorporate. I don't do the steps. I try to live these steps. Do I do it perfectly every day? No, I do not, right? Principle behind step one is honesty. So coming in here, I would tell little white lies here and there. And, um, you know, that got me nowhere because I had to remember the lie I told, right? So I try to incorporate this honesty. Step two, you know, hope. I don't know if I had hope. It was a, I had a lot of wishful thinking, you know what I mean? I wished my life would be better before I got sober. I wished I'd get that job. I wished I'd get that girl, you know, hopeful now. Step three, faith, right? I'm going to have faith coming in that this God that they're telling me about is going to move this obsession to drink and is going to allow me to live happily, usefully whole. It's going to solve all my problems, not my drink problems. I, that took a long time for me to believe that, you know what I mean? Uh, step four, courage. Again, I can't tell you this. When I get here, I'm not scared of nothing. I'm scared of everything. But step four, courage. And step five, integrity. Tell this man almost everything, right? So we incorporate these principles. Step six is willingness, right? And step seven is humility. And then I talked about it last week. What's the definition of a humility? Lots of definitions. And, and that word has, you know, it's, it's, before I got here, I thought humility was weakness. I thought it was, you know, a, a dirty word, so to speak. And I've heard people stand up and say, I'm very humble today. Eh, no, you're not. <laughs> if you're saying that, you're not humble. But the best definition I've read, and this is just for me, and talked about it last week, in the 12 and 12, and since step five, it says, a clear recognition of who and what I really am. Well, I just told you who I really was in these first five proposals. I found out who and what I really am, right? I'm an alcoholic who like to partake in drugs sometimes. And uh, I'm a scumbag. My word means nothing. I'm lazy. I'm a procrastinator. My life has no purpose, no meaning. That's who I really am. Second piece of that followed by a sincere attempt to become who I can be, right? So at our home group, we, it's a big book study. Um, the guy who started it, John W., back in 83, I believe it is, studies a big book, right? But he does it in a way outside the box, right? He has overheads. He has music planned before the, the, meet, the meeting and stuff. And before every meeting, we would put this thing up on the overhead until we got to step uh, four and five, which it said, are you ready to give up who you are? Right? Are you ready for that person to die so you can become who you can be? We put that up every week. Are you ready to give up who you are? Right? Literally and figuratively. So the person that walked through these doors, who got that white chip, am I ready for that person to die? Every week we put that up there. Right? And I was ready for that person to die. Right? And so six and seven are the two steps that do that. And I'll never forget this. So when I first met Mike, I don't know, eight, ten years ago, we were talking one night and, you know, I told him how I was, when I would work with my sponsees, and I would, you know, we would read six and seven in the big book, it's only two short paragraphs, and then we go to the 12 and 12. And then Mike taught me that six and seven is throughout this whole big book. I'm like, what are you talking about, Mike? He said, let me show you, Keith. Go back to page 60. That's all step six work. 62, all step six work. It's all throughout this whole book, right? So six and seven is the real, now the real work begins. So up until this point, one through five, yeah, important stuff, but guess what? I'm still the same scumbag, right? I'm going out to make these amends. He's teeing it up. It's like, it's, it's, it's poetry, this book. It flows so effortlessly. But six and seven is where the real work begins. I'll be doing six and seven for the rest of my life, 
right? One through five, yeah, it's important stuff, but if I don't do six and seven, I'm going to drink again. I'm going to drink again. It's, I know that as sure as I'm standing here talking to you in this camera and you guys in this room. So, Joe, you know, we got this stuff uncovered. And, again, I mentioned Joe a lot. He's never been my sponsor, but he is like a sponsor. He's like the, my teacher, him and John. Like, they taught me everything. So you're going to hear about him a lot, Joe Bear. Or, you know. <laughs> so we got who I am, you know. We got this blueprint of who I am. And so, you know, way down the line in step 11, they tell you, you know, review your night, look for the 24-hour days ahead. They had me doing this in step six, like, Okay, Keith, what do you want? Who do you want to become, right? What's your vision for yourself? Tell him this. So here's what you're going to do. In the morning, you're not going to get up. Like, I was the kind of person who had to be to work at, let's say, 730 if I had a job. And um, I'd wake up at the last possible minute, 7, 715, hit the snooze button, call my boss with a lie. I'm going to be late. Because being late plus a good story means being on time. That was my mindset. But um, no, we're going to do things differently. We're going to get up two hours earlier. We're going to go outside. You're going to spend some time with God. You're going to envision your day. You know who you're going to see. You might have some instances on contacts and stuff. But who are they going to get when you show up, right? So he had me do that, right? So the first thing for me was, again, I was an early riser now, right? Getting up, I was the first one at labor pool. Five in the morning, I was there at 4.45, right? So this is what we're doing. We're setting this up because I got to go out there and make these amends. And it's important that they get somebody completely different. So let's look at six and seven. Because even though there's two short paragraphs, I believe, and this is just my belief, that it's only two short paragraphs because they knew it was on the line back then. They knew how important these two steps were. So it says if we can answer to our satisfaction, we'll answer what? That I've done the best I could in step these first five proposals. We then take a look at step six. We have emphasized willingness as being indispensable, right? Are we ready now to let God remove from us all these things which we have found objectionable? Am I ready for that? Now, I talked about it a couple weeks ago. I just told you I drank and drank for 20 years. Couldn't stop on my own. Couldn't do anything like that. And up until this point, four or five months in or whatever, I have had a drink or a drug. He took that away from me, right? So if he could do that with that alcohol and drugs and that obsession of the mind, why then can he take these things which are objectionable away from me? But now, here's the caveat with that. He's not going to just, I just can't sit here and say, God, poof, made me stop stealing, right? I got to participate in this thing. He does not. Because before I got sober, God was like my uh, cosmic bellhop, so to speak. Get me out of trouble and I won't do that again, right? But I never once, you know, asked him to remove <laughs> the, the things that were blocking me off from him, right? All that stuff. Am I not ready to have all of this? Again, that's a very scary thing. Because what's going to happen to me by me surrendering all this stuff to, to this God, right? What's going what's gonna to become of Keith Neal if I give you all this? Because, again, I didn't think all that stuff was bad, right? My character defects. Yeah. 
womanizer. Not really, but yeah. Huh. Am I ready for you to take all of these? If I'm ready for him to take all of this, I don't say that. I don't say that prayer. I don't ask him to take these away. Because as I couldn't find out, God is <laughs> all powerful, right? But at this stage in the game, I'm all in. I'm committed. I felt the nearest of my creator. So I want him. I want to know him better. So to me, step six is kill the man I just uncovered, right? Step seven, make me the man I want to become. Are we now ready to let God remove all these things we admitted that are objectionable? Can he take all of them, every one of them? If we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing, right? So, again, not an easy thing. I'm 17 years sober. I'm not the same scumbag I was when I got here, but I still have character defects. This actor that they talk about in the book, this double life they talk about in the book. Before I got sober, I wouldn't tell this story because I want you to think a certain way of me, right? I want you to think that I am not really Mr. AA, but whatever. People who know me know know me, but I told you I heard this, this uh, I was with this, my, my ex for eight years. I was never a commitful person, never. I would never commit to a woman. If a woman got too close and that, I'd run, like, get away. I hurt her by, like, I didn't physically cheat on her, but emotionally, I was communicating with my high school sweetheart, and she came across the emails and, and, and saw that, and uh, it wasn't good. And, and I hurt her, Right? Not my my finest moment. I'm going to have to make amends to her one of these days because I miss her. I'm not saying I want to get back. Who knows what God has in store for that. But I miss her as a friend. You know what I mean? I miss, she was my best friend. Like we weren't, we didn't, and when I met her, we were both in AA. We were friends for like a year before we started even went on our first date, right? That's different for me. Because when I saw somebody that I thought was, <laughs> let's go <laughs> let's go out let's have dinner I love you let's do it you know what I mean but it wasn't like that with her and and it's been on my heart all day I didn't know if I was going to talk about it but you know um, not who I want to be right Seven, 16 years sober and I'm doing that and again I didn't sleep with somebody it was just some emails before, before between me and my uh, high school sweetheart. But in my mind, it wasn't a big deal. But the exact nature of the harm to her, Allie was that cut her, right? That cut her to the core. And that she hurt, I hurt her like that hurts me to my core. But again, I'm not running white as snow. And, and God's going to make it away so I could set that right, so to speak. Right? So... I tell you that story to tell you this. I need him every. I need him more now than I did back then. Because the more longer I'm sober, the more narrow this road gets, right? And I don't, I don't look at myself as you know better than anybody or anything like that. I'm a blessed man. I I, I haven't found it necessary to go back out since I got here, but I need him more today than ever, right? And and that's why I told that story. Just because I'm sober and all this, you know, I'm just <laughs> I'm sober 24 hours today. That's it, all right? So then we get to step seven, right? I am willing for God to move all this stuff that I find objectionable. And then third step prayer, 
that we did back way back, there's no amen after the third step of prayer, right? Here, listen to what it says. When we're ready, we say something like this. This means I'm ready for him to take this away. My creator, I am not willing that you should have all of me, good and bad, because God knows, and, and Bill knew, there's only been one perfect man that walked this earth, and he ain't Keith. It is Mike. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, Mike. But uh, <laughs> Good and bad. He knows me. He knows I, I still got these character defects, right? They're just not as glaring, right? I need him. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows, right? Total opposite of page 62. Hmm, my usefulness. Again, I didn't have any purpose when I got here. He's setting it up, right? My usefulness to you and my fellows. Well, again, during this process, it's important that I, I strive in six and seven to be different. When I go to make these amends, it's vital that they get somebody completely different, right? When I first got sober, I wanted to go home and shout it to the world. I'm sorry, mom, this is what happened. And Joe's like, no, you're not ready for that. They're not ready for that. They've gotten that their whole, your whole life, Keith. You know what I mean? Because to me, when I said I was sorry before I got sober, it just meant I'm setting you up to do it again. That's all I'm sorry meant. It was never I was wrong, and this is why I was wrong. Oh, I'm sorry, Mark, can I have 20 bucks? No. I'm going for a different strategy now. Right? Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. But... Then it says we then have completed step seven. I, I don't like that because I'm never going to complete step seven. I'm going to continue to do this work and, and, and try to get better as long as I live for the rest of my life. Right? So six and seven is a daily process, daily process. Because now I find out that all these relationships I had before I got sober are damaged. They're broken. Right? And I'm, God's going to, I'm going to have God help me go out there and repair the damage with these relationships. And they're going to become new relationships, right? I'm not going to get my old relationships back. Like I don't want my old life back. Right? So what's my life like today with this six and seven step? Again, I've never been vulnerable enough to tell that story with I just told. I am uh, <laughs> I don't know why God had me tell that story. But anyway, he took the garbage out. We're going to talk about it next week. I go to make these amends to these people, and um, they're going to get somebody completely different. Being with my sponsees nowadays and, and doing this work, I hold them accountable. You know, I had a, a, a sponsee that used to tell me, you know, he used to always say, I know, I feel like, I feel like this is the right decision, all this stuff, you know. And again, if this is about me surrendering and letting God be the director of my life, I can't have that come from. But this guy used to have this come from all the time. He was making decisions based on self that was just falling down like left and right. I'm not one to chase sponsors. So this guy, you know, um, we did, did the work. He stopped calling me. That's fine. So I see him at a meeting one day. He was uh, 
I could see he was a little bit in shambles. And um, I go, let's go to dinner afterwards and just talk, right? So we go out to dinner. He tells me what's going on. The girlfriend left him, which I told him he shouldn't have gotten involved with her in the first place. But, you know, I'm not the arbiter of anybody's sex conduct or whatever. He got his job in the treatment center again. <laughs> Everybody who I've in my life who's worked at the treatment center in my inner circle has quit after like three or four weeks because, and again, it's just my opinion. I'm not, don't, don't say after the meeting that Keith is shitting on treatment centers and he's, I'm not, you know what I mean? They serve their purpose. But I told him, you can't take the big book into that treatment center, right? That is not your recovery. That's a job. This is my advice because I've seen lots of my friends and people in my inner circle do this thing. I won't, I won't, I won't. He takes the big book in there. Right, got written up the first time, got fired the second time. So now his girlfriend dumped him, and then this happens. Then he says to me, um, I got $1,100 saved. I'm going to invest in his gambling site. That's not an investment. <laughs> it's gambling. What's the plan, right? So he did that investment thing. He lost 1000 bucks. Now he's broke. So all this stuff is coming at him, and we go out there at dinner, and then again, He's sitting there, I feel like, and I feel like, and I, and I, and I feel like, and he's not, I mean, he's not understanding what I'm saying. So I take my phone out, and I hit record. For like eight minutes, I, I taped the conversation, which is illegal, I guess. He didn't know I was recording him, but whatever. And um, <laughs> after, you know, I stopped him. I'm like, let's listen to this. Click. And I said, listen, don't say nothing, just listen. And he heard it. And I said, I stopped it, and I go, where's God at and all that? And you could have saw, like, the lights just go off in his head, right? Again, a surrendered life. Do I surrender every morning? I try to. Do I take my will back every day? Some days I do. Do I pay the price? Yes, I do. You know what I mean? I, um, <laughs> I don't know how I'm here or why I'm here, uh, Given how I used to live my life and drink and drug, the God that I told you I didn't believe in way back when, I, I, I'm totally in love with this, this God of my understanding today, right? I don't uh, profess to be you know, a holy roller. I said it a couple weeks ago. I'll tell you about the God of my understanding without saying a word, right? I know whose I am and who I work for today. That was a statement I couldn't have made 17 years ago. So if you're struggling, right, and I said it before the meeting, if you're struggling, there is a way out. <sighs> this is so divinely inspired. This book should be read by normies, right, I believe. The world would be a much easier place. And uh, I don't like to sit up here and babble. When I'm done, I'm done. And uh, thank you guys for having me, and I love you all. See you next week. Uh, and now I would like to introduce... Joey, who is the secretary, he was also our joke teller, so he's functionality. Andrew, all right. I am back, and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello, Keith. That was amazing. Thank you. All right. Um, In keeping with the seven tradition, excuse me, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. Um, as they are going around, I have asked my good friend James to come over and read the recovered statement here at this meeting. 
I and um, several others, Keith, um, managers themselves, recovered alcoholics, and we're going to have James explain exactly what that is. Thank you. I'm James, and I'm a recovered alcoholic. Recovered, we are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. Page 30, 22, 23. Uh, we are now saying where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we are recovered. Thank you, James. 1940-style big book sponsorship from forward to the second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came day and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The, the statistics above suggest a 75-plus percent success rate. Now, at this time, I would like to see a show of hands of recovered alcoholics in the room and on Zoom. All right. And now, anyone needing a sponsor in the room slash Zoom, please raise your hand at this time. Um, all you recovered alcoholics, go get them. Reach out. See how they're doing. Um, hopefully, you can help bring them to God. Um, this was a great meeting. Um, on Monday, sorry, it's a little, sorry. All right, uh, please join us Monday nights, though. Another great meeting, Big Book Study, Big Book Comes Alive. Mike Chase, Old Bill, Doc, we got Chris on the tra traditions. It's a lovely time. Fellowships at 630. Uh, the meeting itself starts at 715. Love to see you there. Um, um, and... As well, uh, uh, your local intergroup AA websites, wherever you're at, Broward, you know where you are, you're there. And <laughs> sorry, we have, have CDs, mugs, large print big books, and little red books, big book dictionaries for sale. It's a great way to help support AA as a whole. Um, they sure could use it, um, so go get them. We meet every Thursday starting promptly at 7.15. We ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. Thank you. See you next week. Thank you, Joey. Uh, we do have tonight's session and all the past speakers' podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday night big book study. And those whom wish to thank tonight's speaker, please line up down the center aisle. Um, now let's close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. See you all Monday or next Thursday. Thirsty bodies aching. 
Zan, Zan, Zan. Oh, when you smiling. When you laughing, ba 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 da. When you laughing, yes, the sun comes shining through. But when you crying.
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know 
this one, don't you?
say, God want me, just want to say. 